professional boxer as your deacon. <laughs> Message, but it doesn't. Let's take our song sheet. And first of all, good morning. I forgot that again. It's a blessing to be gathered together. Let's take our song sheet. And if we could stand one more time, we do a lot of standing sometimes, don't we? But uh, let's stand one more time. And uh, let's sing this song. He's the oak and I'm the ivy. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the oil and I'm the vessel. I'm the traveler and He's the way. I'm the flower and He's the fragrance. I'm the lamp and He's the flame. He's the words and I'm the music. I'm the bride who takes His name. Very good. You may be seated. For our precious promise verse this morning, turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. Isaiah 43 and verse 2. It says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I'm not for sure what all the promises in this verse is, but we know that God is going to be with us. Um, I don't have the answers to why sometimes people burn in the fire. Why sometimes people drown in the water. And sometimes why people don't burn in the fire. And why they don't drown in the fire. Um, I don't know why... Some people die shortly after conception and receive a heaven's reward. I don't know why some people have a life of health and others suffer. I don't know why some have been sawn asunder while others have not suffered physical persecution. But I know that when we get to glory, we'll understand it all. Okay? And we'll understand that God was with us through those waters, through those fires. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have all those answers, but I am glad today that God is with us. Let's read this verse together. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Alrighty. This morning, um, as, as we, um, look into God's Word, um, we want to talk about the importance of being content in Christ. Um, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you content with the content of Christ? Okay? Am I, am I content with the content of Christ? Um, someone once said that the happiest cow gives the most milk. Now, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but... Uh, I believe that the most happy Christian is the most beneficial for the kingdom of God. A, pers- a, a, a Christian who is content in Christ. Not always, not always longing for something else. You know, contentment is, is, Huge. And um, I want to talk about that this morning and the importance of that in our lives. Turn with me quickly 
to, this isn't our main passage, but turn with me to Psalms chapter 23. Alright? And um, sometimes when we read passages like this, we, we know them so familiar that we, we just kind of read real fast down through them and, and we don't get really get the word picture of, of what the writer is saying. So I'm going to read this a little slow this morning and I want you to follow along and I want you to, to tune out everything else in your mind and I want you to focus and imagine the word pictures that David is saying here in this passage, okay? So in Psalms 23, let's go ahead, I'm going to read it slowly, and then I want you to concentrate on what the words are, and then I want you to associate a word picture with that as we read it, okay? So let's begin reading in Psalms chapter 23. David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The king once asked two artists to paint him a picture of peace. The one artist, he painted a picture and it was, it was the water running down the nice stream through the mountain and, um, and the, and the cows were laying there in the pasture or whatever and they were chewing their cuds and, and the grass was green and, and the sun was shining and, it was just a picture of peace. The other artist had a picture of a storm with the water raging and, and the trees blowing back and forth with a bird calmly setting in its nest in that tree. Both of those are a picture of peace and contentment in Christ. When the storms come and the winds blow, can I be content in Christ? You know, we live, we live in a day of, of all kinds of advertisements, okay? People give advertisements and, and the reason often why, uh, why we advertise, and I wonder sometimes if, if we as Anabaptist people are even always correct in this. You know, the reason why we advertise is, often is, is because we want you to think that you should be dissatisfied with what you have so that you will buy what I have, okay? Those old cabinets that you have, those aren't worth anything. You need to get some new cabinets or, or you know, that type of texture you have on those drywall walls of yours. You know, you need some, you need to get something different or, or that color of paint that's on your wall. Well, you need to get something different. 
you know, or they, they put these beautiful people up on this billboard and, and they have them smoking a cigarette. Like, if you smoke these cigarettes, you'll look like this. They should put, put them up there what they'll look like in 25 years, okay? With oxygen in their nose and hacking and spitting up blood and, and, and all these different, but they don't do that. And so, in advertisements, we, we like to advertise. Women take their bodies and they like to advertise that this is better than what you got. Sometimes men fall for that and they find out, no, it really wasn't, you know? But you know, so we advertise and we do all these different kinds of things and, um, and, and it's always to make, it's often made to make you feel like that what you have is not as good as what you could have. Well, brothers and sisters, this morning, if we have contentment in Jesus Christ, there is no other greater thing than we can have, okay, than contentment in Jesus Christ. Now, um, sometimes we, we see advertisements and, you know, maybe you play a computer game and, and, and you get done and it says, good job, try again. You know, that computer game doesn't care at all that you got the high score. All it wants to do is addict you to it to play it again. That's one thing that happens with computer games, okay? It's never good enough. You score 250,000 points and it's 1130 at night, but you, you're certain you can, you can get 275,000 points, okay? And so now it's 1230 and you get that and you and you decide, you know what? There's really no reason why I shouldn't be able to get 300,000 points on this. And so, so we just keep going and going and going and it keeps saying, good job and try again. It doesn't care about you. He just wants to addict you to the game so that you'll buy the next game. Well, when, when I am content in Jesus Christ, a lot of those types of things don't grab my attention because I'm content in Jesus Christ. If we are content with not having to have the latest and the greatest, it will tremendously help us in our walk with God. In every area of life. I was just telling somebody last night, I was, I was in, uh, and I'm not here to tell you what kind of phones to have. I have a, I still have a flip phone, okay? And I was in, I was on a work site. And there was a carpet guy lay in there, and he, 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 he was a man of the world. And he seen me walking through there. I was talking on my phone, and he looked at me, and he said, Dude, he said, you need to get a phone. <laughs> well, I was talking on a phone. <laughs> yeah, but he said, Dude, you got to get a phone. You know? You know, and so, you know, but, you know, one night we were sitting at the table. A sweeper salesman comes to the door. Okay? Okay, he got me once, never to get me again. Okay? <laughs> shame on him because he got me once, but shame on me if he gets me twice. Okay? He will not get me the second time. But anyhow, um, you know, I, he said something to me, and I wasn't even quite all for sure what he said. And I said, no, nah, I don't think so, or whatever, you know. And he said, just a minute, I'll be back. And so he comes in, and he has all this this... This sweeper gadget, okay? And he comes in and I said, listen, I am not interested in a sweeper, okay? I said, I'm not interested in a sweeper. And uh, <laughs> he said, oh, well, that's all right. He said, I, I get paid anyhow to just show it. So he said, I just want to go ahead and show it. And the group that he was with, they went ahead and left and he was there. And um, But the next time he comes, I'll let him in, but I'll say, you're going to sit down there. And I'm going to tell you the plan of salvation. My house, my rules. You can sit down there. And uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain to you the best buy you'll ever get in your life. Anyhow, that's for the next time. But uh, anyhow, so this guy comes in and he starts setting this stuff up and he says, "How many year, how many how long have you lived here?" And I said, "Oh, about six months." And so he gets his sweeper out and he starts sweeping. He says, "Ooh, I'm finding some dirt in here." He said, "Mr. Myers," he said, "Does that dirt bother you?" I said, "No, it doesn't." <laughs> He said, wow, that's, he said, that dirt would bother me. I said, well, it doesn't bother me. And, uh, you know, and, and so we, we kept talking back and forth. And, and so finally we were eating supper. And so we went into the living room. And, and so then he wanted to get, you know, he wanted to get his rag out and he wanted to put that rag on there. So then he wanted me to get his sweet, our sweeper out. 
So he got our sweeper, and he swept for just a little bit, and he acted like he was all wore out. And I was too thin, I wasn't thinking fast enough on this one, but he acted like he was all wore out, and he said, wow, he said, that thing is a workout. He said, I am wore out from sweeping. And I wish I would have thought of it sooner. I would have said, you must be out of shape because my wife sweeps the whole house and ain't near that wore out. But anyhow, you know, he, uh, you know, he's saying all these different things and he's trying to convince me that his sweeper, that I need it more than the sweeper that I need, that I have, okay? So then he takes our sweeper and he sweeps this small area. Then he puts a rag on his sweeper and he sweeps a big area with his. And then he says, look at that dirt that I got on there. I said, you swept a bigger area with yours than you did with mine. He said, are you calling me a liar? I said, no, I'm not calling you a liar. I just said that you swept a bigger area with your sweeper than I did, you did with mine. So we went on and he was, he was saying that he wasn't getting anywhere. So he pulled out his phone and acted like he called his boss. And he said... Um, you know, he said, we're here with Terry Myers. And he said, he's a no-nonsense guy. He said, what is the least amount of money I could sell this sweeper to him? And he shut his phone off and he said, I can't believe this. He said, don't tell anybody else in the community here what I sold you this sweeper for. He said, not even my mother. He said, because she paid more than this. He said, you know, he, he had started out at 2000 and something, and he was down to like 900 and some dollars. And he said, I can't believe it. He said, but he said, um, he said that I could sell this to you for like $975 or whatever. He said, I said, I'm not interested. I said, I don't want a sweeper. You know, he said, if you would let me go sweep your mattress, he said, you would, I, he said, you would buy a sweeper tonight. He said, you know, when you buy a new mattress, he said, they're all light and one guy can just flip them things around and put them on the bed. But he said, after you sleep in a few years and it gets all those, de that dead skin in there, he said, it takes two guys to lug them things out of the house. He said, he said, you know, if you would let me sweep that mattress, he said, uh, you'd buy a sweeper tonight. I said, I don't want a sweeper. I said, I will give you this much. You don't give up easy, but I'm not buying a sweeper. He said, why do you think I'm the number one salesman in, in the company? And I didn't buy a sweeper. But, you know, I was, I was content with the sweeper that I had. And he was trying to convince me that I should buy his sweeper I wonder sometimes when it comes to our Christian life and our Christian separation and the joy of the Lord in our lives, I wonder, do we have to try to sell that to people and prove it to them that, hey, this is better? Or do they look at our life and they say, that is what I want. I don't know what it is, but wow, that is a salty taste. That makes me thirsty. Or do we spend a lot of our time trying to convince people that, you know, if you would be like me, then you would love money. Or no, I mean, that's wrong. If you would be like me, you know, you would, uh, you know, and we go through all this thing. Or can people sit back and say, that man is content. Whatever it is he has, I don't understand what it is. But that man is content. One of the greatest advertisements that we have for the Christian life is contentment in Christ. And David said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... I don't want. The, I am satisfied with, with God being my shepherd. Okay? We want to look at one other thought here before we go to our main text for this morning. But in chapter 3, he said, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Let me give you an illustration of this. Why is it that when some people, older people, come to the end of their life, they're a... They're an antique for Christ. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I, I admire that. 
And why is it that when some people come to the end of their life, it's just complaining and getting older and I can't do the things that I used to do? Why is it that two people in the same church, one can be 80 years old and have the joy of the Lord, the other one can be 80 years old and be constantly complaining? David said, the Lord restores my soul. You know, sometimes I'll be driving down the road, and I want to challenge you, I'll just say this right now before I forget it. We need to allow God to restore our soul every day. Okay? I drive down the road sometimes, and I'll see this beautiful new, not new house, it was built in the, you know, 1900, but somebody has kept it up, and they have restored it, and it's a beautiful roof, or a beautiful house. And then I go down the road a little bit, and there's another house that may have been built in that same era. It may have sort of the same style. It may have had the same builder, but the windows are broken out. The weeds are this high. The roof's kind of caving in. And it was the same builder. It was the same material. But 118 years later, the one is flourishing, and the other one is falling apart. You know the reason why that is? Is because the one that's falling apart, when the first shingle blew off, nobody did anything about it. Okay? When the second shingle blew off, nobody did anything about it. When the window got broke out, when the out, when the roof began to leak, when they whatever, nobody did anything about that. But in the other house, someone maintained it. And because of that, they restored it. Now, sometimes we can let them get really bad and then go back in and restore the whole house. And I want to quickly give you this illustration. In Auburn, Indiana, where we live, there is a huge auto auction and people come from different places in the world to buy cars and to sell cars and to look at cars. The Auburn Court Duesenberg was built in... Auburn, Indiana. It's a it's an old antique car, and sometimes they will sell for a million dollars or more. They also have vehicles there that sell for five thousand. They have all different kinds. Okay, but most of the cars that come through there are very much restored. They have been maintained. They have they have been stored in a garage, and they have been taken care of. And you know, a car that has all the original parts on it is really valuable. Totally original. No rust. Original paint. I mean, this thing has been, this thing has been kept. Okay? Um, I want to give you an example. Uh, two different people go, uh, you know what an H2 Hummer is? They are a pretty nice vehicle, but, uh, say, they go, and I'll say yellow, cause, uh, my wife likes yellow vehicles. I've never bought her one yet. Um, but she thinks that sometime I should rent like a, a yellow Mustang or something and take her out in a date. Uh, I haven't done that yet, but and sometimes I embarrass her when I say things like that. But uh, anyhow, uh, you know, uh, so they go to the they go to the shop and and they each buy an H2 Hummer. And the first guy, it's really not all that special to him. I mean, he takes it home. He parks it in the in the in the lane there, and and it snows and it it rains and it's whatever, and and he just jumps in it and drives. He does, you know, he doesn't really care for it a whole lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, if the tire goes flat, he fixes it. But if they're all bald and got knobs on them and whatever, and no big deal, you know. And and he doesn't really change the oil or anything in it. I mean, if it starts to knock, he'll pour some in there, you know, and he'll quiet down. And and so he'll just go on and. Um, he's driving home and he hits a deer and, well, it ain't too bad. He kind of pushes the light back in there and, I mean, it works and, and so he just goes on. I mean, he's, it's still working. I mean, he's still, he's still going to work, still coming back, still going to church, still whatever. But you know, he, he, he really puts very little effort. The only effort that he puts into that vehicle is so that it gets him down the road. Alright? Now, now the other, the other man, he goes in there, and this thing is special to him. He brings it home. 
He cleans out the garage before he puts it in the garage, okay? And then, and then he, uh, you know, he pulls it in there and then he takes a towel, you know, and it had been sprinkling a little bit out there, you know, and he wipes that thing all off. And, I mean, every couple of weeks he pulls out the dipstick and he checks that oil to see if it's okay. You know, one day he was coming home from work and a stone flew and put a little tiny chip in the hood. Oh. He takes it to the body shop and he says, see that little little chip right there? The guy has to look. He said, oh yeah. He said, you know, the guy says, well, you know, really, for no more than what that is? He said, no. He said, I want it fixed. I don't want a little chip. I don't want a little spot that can start to rust. He said, guy says, well, I don't know if that's going to be able to blend back in. He said, paint the whole hood then. I want this thing. I want this thing right. You know, he goes to the tire store and he says, how much new set of tires on there? You know, $750 or whatever, you know. And he says, okay, and you know, he probably really wouldn't say this, you know, but the guy says, well, you know, these tires on here aren't really all that bad. He said, they have some wear. He said, I want new ones. Okay. And that's how, that's how he treats that vehicle. Now, 40 years go by and they pull into Auburn, Indiana for the auto auction. And they both unload their vehicles. Which one has value? Actually, the one that's all beat up might draw quite a bit of attention, but just being there. But you know, it's easy to see that, wow, someone maintained this vehicle and someone did not maintain this vehicle. It's that way in our Christian lives. We have the same maker. We have the same creator. Sometimes we have the same families. We have the same brotherhoods. And some flourish. And some don't. Are you content this morning in what God has for you? Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 for our main passage this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, My father passed away almost 12 years ago. And I do not know how many times I heard him say this verse, but this was one of his verses that he quoted often. And let's begin reading at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced them through themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, now listen to what he says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a godly profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickened all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good profession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in His times He shall show who is the blessed and only potent, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. 
charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. And they do good, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. I'm just going to say this, and I, I, I mean this in love, but if we would apply 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 19, like we do 1 Corinthians 11, we'd be a different people. And sometimes when I say things like that, people say, so what? You think the covering isn't important? Did I say the covering was not important? No, I didn't say that. In fact, in a nice way, I like to say back, are you saying that this passage is not important? See, see, when we come to a passage that kind of smites us a little bit, we say, oh, I mean, hey, I mean, no, I, I didn't say anything about 1 Corinthians 11 not being important. I just said, if we would apply this like we do that passage, we would be a different people. Now, I'm not here this morning, really. The, the idea of my, of my thought here this morning, it talks about money in here, and that is a big thing. But actually, the thought for the message this morning was more in, am I content in Christ? Am I content in Him being my Lord? Am I content in walking in His ways? You know, am I satisfied? You know, when a man is satisfied with his wife, the other women really don't matter that much. When a woman is satisfied with her husband, the other men don't really matter that much. And you know, when I am satisfied in Christ, the things of this world become strangely dim. Okay? They become strangely dim. And so, when I am content in Christ, when I am sold out to Christ, you know, I, I, I'm not up here this morning. I have some acreage. I have some money. I'm not living on my last dollar. Maybe I should be, but I'm not. You know, so I'm not here trying to tell you this morning exactly how all it is, but I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you content in Christ? Are you willing? Are you, are you sold out to God? Are you willing to say, God, I, I want to trust you. I want to be all that you want me to be. I want to work for you as long as I possibly can. You know, most of us, if the Lord doesn't return, will get to an age of retirement. And I challenge you, what are you going to do when you get there? Are you going to go to Florida and shuffle your life away? <laughs> or, you know, I enjoy playing shuffleboard, but, uh, I don't want to do it all my life or all my retirement. Um, you know, I would like to just kind of keep working for the Lord till the day I die and then go on into my retirement. You know? What's my focus? Am I content in this life to work for God? To work for His kingdom? Is that what drives me? Or do I wish, I hope that, well, I can get to 65 or 70 and, and I have this nest egg, uh, this, this, you know, this, this nest of money and all these things that, that I can just, I can just kind of relax and I can just kind of vacation and, and I can just kind of, uh, you know, take it easy. I don't really hear Paul saying, I am now 65 years old. And I have had a big business. And I am now going to retire. And I am now going to just enjoy life. I hear him saying, I have fought all the way to the end. And I am now ready to die. And the time of my departure is at hand. Um, are, are you content with the fact that, are, are you, do you, do you have to have the, the latest and the greatest? Does it bother you 
Which bothers you more? That a brother in church is more of a prayer warrior than you are? Or that he has some gadgets that you don't have? What, 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 what gets your attention more? The brother in church who has more money? Or the brother who is always there to help whenever there's a need? Now sometimes that can be the, person, the brother that has money. I'm not saying that. But, but what, what, are we, what are we content with? Um... We live in a time of, of discontentment. You know, um, people are not content. And uh, fa- uh, Facebook and all those things, it's, it's a known fact that it, bring, it, be, it breeds discontentment. The highest rate, I believe, ever in history for young girls committing suicide today. Because all I see is so-and-so lost 10 pounds. Look at this vacation that they went on. Look at the honeymoon that they had. Look at what they... You know, I don't think it's on there too much that I put 20 pounds on. We went on vacation, but it was terrible. (laughs) No, it's, it's, this is what I have done. And look at me. and, and, And here's this glamour shot. And and so we look at those things and we're like, wow. Instead of looking into God's Word. I tell you what, I would wrestle with verse 8. And so would you if he was honest. And having food and raiment, be, with, be content. And we say, well, you know, now we live, in a, we live in an area here where it gets cold and so, so we've got to have a house. Yeah. But what makes you content? You know? I don't think there's anything wrong with having a house. Are you laying up in store for eternal life? Is that what what your goal is? Is every morning, every day when you go through life, you know, what gets you more, that the guy took you for a thousand dollars or that you missed an opportunity to speak for God? I have to admit that sometimes a thousand dollars irks me a little more. And that's not right. What, 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 what has my attention? What am I fighting for? He said, fight the good fight of faith. We have a lot of fighting going on sometimes in our churches. And it's a pretty good fight, but it's not the fight that he's talking about here. Okay? We have fights in our marriages sometimes because there's too much love, too much love for ourselves. He said, fight the fight of, good fight of faith. He said, lay hold on eternal life. And when I think about that, I want to have a death grip on eternal life. You know what I mean by a death grip? Someone dies and they have a grip on that steering wheel and they sometimes almost have to give them a shot in order to release that grip. I mean, a death grip. A death grip on eternal life. What am I fighting for? Am I fighting for the kingdom of God? Or am I fighting for myself? You know, Paul said, I don't fight as someone who just beats the air. You know? Um, you know, never have I seen a boxer that, that was a world champion that went out and fought with a blindfold on. Because that would be foolish. We know that he would, he would be destroyed no matter how good he is. He would be defeated because he has no vision. He, he's just, he's just punching the air. And he, and he hears this and he punches there. And he hears this and he punches there. And that's sort of how we are when we're living after our flesh and we're not controlled by the Spirit of God. And we have, and we just, we kind of want our way here. So we punch over here. And then we go over here and we punch over here. Instead of fighting for the kingdom of God, we're just in this battle and we're wore out and we're weary. Sometimes, but it's not because I'm fighting for the kingdom of God. It's because sometimes I'm fighting 
for the things of this world. Here's some things that I'm trying to grow on in my own life. God has showed me. How much do I love the Word of God? How many times do we say, you know, last night I, it was kind of a cold evening and I turned the fireplace up and I grabbed me a blanket and I sat down with a book and before I knew it, it was one o'clock. Let me ask you a question. Is that book ever the Word of God that you just got lost in? Or is it the hunting magazine? I enjoy reading hunting magazines. You see, Sometimes when it comes to things like that, we, we almost sometimes kind of act like this. That, well, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm conservative. I didn't say you weren't conservative. I just, I just asked, do you love the Word of God? We often, we often want to devalue the question that's being asked. Are you fighting the good fight of faith? Are you laying up in store a good foundation? Are, are, you, are, you, are you going about things in such of a way that if the Lord tarries, if He does, and the next generation comes on, that you've laid a good spiritual foundation for them? We've done a pretty good job at passing along money. And sometimes we've did a good job of passing on the faith. But I think sometimes we have failed in the fact that we have spent more time making sure that we pass on money than we pass on the faith. Now I know I know that passing on the faith is a choice of that person. Okay? Because someone does because a child doesn't choose to take that faith does not mean that that father was a failure. Have we all failed? Yeah. But we all have to make our choices also. But is my drive, is my goal, is it to pass on the faith, to lay a foundation? We talked about technology last night. Do you have a plan? Or are you just beating the air? When this comes up, when that comes up, do we have a plan? Is it God's plan? If it's not God's plan, we're just beating the air. You see? When it comes to um, how much is enough, do you have do you have any idea? Do you have any plan? Or, you know, um, you say, well, God's just blessed with this business. And, and you know, I, I've heard people tell me things like, I just love to work. And I thought, you know, if we took the money all out of it, I wonder how much we would just love to work. You know, you know, I think that God wants us to work. I think it's okay with God that we have businesses. I think it's okay with God that we have some things of this world. But what's my drive? In, in, in working with young men sometimes, I tell them this. They say, you know, there's, there's young men out there that are saying, what do we do with wealth? What do we do with riches? And I like to tell them this. I like to say, you know what? You make a life of serving God and having time for others and putting others first. And I don't think you'll have to worry about what you're going to do with these extra millions of dollars. If you put others first, God first, others first, you supply for your family. You may have a little extra. You may have some extra. That's okay. But what, what has 
my drive. Um, you know, I was at a funeral one time, and this was years ago, and it was in a Mennonite church. And you know, they had, I don't know if they called it open, they had the family share. And some of the grandchildren was getting up there, and they were sharing about Grandpa. And you know, <laughs> I, this has been probably 30 years ago or more, and I still remember it. One of the grandchildren got up there, and this is what he had to say about Grandpa. He said, I just remember how Grandpa was able to shuffle the rook cards. I enjoy playing rook. But I hope at my funeral that my children have and my grandchildren have a little bit more understanding of who Grandpa was than just how he could shuffle the rook cards. I was at another funeral. And the one boy said, my dad was a hard man. Are we laying up in store? Are we going to come to the end of our life and our children are going to be able to say, Dad was a man of prayer. I've seen Dad take second place time and time again when really he, it was rightful for him to have first place. I've seen, God, I've seen Dad love God more than anything else. I've seen Dad... Love others more than himself. I seen I seen Dad love the Word of God. I enjoy hunting. My boys enjoy hunting. But I in no way want to leave this world with any doubt in my boy's mind that hunting was more important to me than God. Does that make sense this morning? Does that make sense? Am I content? Am I content in the content of this word? Am I, am I, am I living for God? Am I sold out to God? What am I fighting for? You know, when I'm content in the things of God, how many of you like it when you always have to hound your children? Especially as they get a little older and should know a little better. Always got to be on them. Do this, do that. And okay, after several times and because the church said it and, and whatever, we, okay, we kind of do it. But isn't it a joy when our children come to us sometimes, and you've probably all had children that have done this, is there anything else I can do? Don't you think that's kind of how it is with God? When we're content in Him? It's not like, oh, i got to do this and i got to do that and I can't go here and I can't do that. And I... When we go to God and we say, God, is there anything else that I can do for you? I have to believe that. <laughs> I don't know. We say it melts God's heart, but in our thinking we think that way. We sing, if I'm bad it makes him sad. I don't know that he gets sad, but, you know, and, um, in our mind we think that way. I want to be, I want to be content in Christ. I want to be content in His Word. And the day's coming. That we may, the day could be coming that we'll have an opportunity to prove that. That we would rather have Jesus than anything. But I don't want to have to wait till that day to prove that. I want to prove that by my life today that I would rather have Jesus than anything. Let's pray.
Father, this morning we have looked into your word. Lord, may each of us as brothers and sisters here today, may we allow you to restore our soul day by day. When that first shingle blows off, we repair it. When that first nick and chink in the armor comes, we run to You and we repent. And we allow You to repair it and to replace it. Lord, may all of us here, until the day You call us home, be restored daily in the things of God. Lord, we live in a land that is prosperous and um, I have more here than some and less than some probably. Lord, I'm not really here to, to bring guilt, but to just challenge us. What, what are we going after? I pray that our hearts would not deceive us. Because we read last night in Jeremiah that our hearts are deceptive above all things and desperately wicked. Lord, I pray that the Northwoods Mennonite Church would be fighting to lay hold on eternal life. They would get a death grip on it. When I have a death grip on something, I don't have a lot of free hands to do a lot of other things. God, may we have a death grip on Your Word, on Your ways. It's not popular to read Your Word today. It's not popular to to apply Your Word to our lives. We all want heaven without any responsibility. God, give us a hungering for Your Word like we've never had before. Help us to be broken and allow Your Word to cleanse us. Father, forgive me for when I've trampled on Your Word. When I've read ten times other things compared to one time of Your Word. But yet we say that we love You with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. Lord, help us. Help me. Lord, I, I, need, I need growth in this. And You've been speaking to my heart in this. And I pray that I would be open to it. Thank You. And please bless each soul here this morning. We know that You love us. We know that You died for us. Help us to leave this building fighting with a death grip on eternal life. Thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Brother Eric.